0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, And joining us now, Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B, Bobby Blaze.
1: Hey there, Professor, man. Guess what? No gimmicks needed. Let me tell you what. I had one of the greatest gimmicks in professional wrestling, and I was taught by Malenko. You know what that gimmick was? What's that? I knew how to wrestle and I knew how to work. That's the only gimmick I needed. Well, There you <laughs> go. And I am Double B, Bobby Blaze, Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, and I take great pride in that man. And of course, we're gonna have some guests in just a few minutes, and um, I will. Uh, that's where no gimmicks needed is gonna come from.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me, there.
1: Yep. So you doing okay?
0: Uh, I am fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize to everybody ahead of time. I recently, in a moment of stupidity, adopted a puppy. So, if there's any yelling, screaming, barking, or me saying, no, no, don't shit there, that's what's happening.
1: Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> we'll get right into this thing in just a few minutes. I wanted to also, uh, before I mention a couple things, give a shout-out to Mike Mills at Booking the Territory. Got a lot of good feedback on that, man. Um, Great guest. I really liked, uh, uh, man, we really appreciate him being on the show. The, mm-hmm. uh, the um, uh, menace to Society thing, man, that really uh, was, People, you know, wrote in A couple of times on the Twitter there um, About, you know, hearing Mike on our show it's really cool, man, and I appreciate him coming on And doing such a professional job uh, Of course, we'd expect anything less Even though they do have the most unprofessional podcast Out there at Booking the Territory
0: The podcast is unprofessional, but not the people On the show. Oh,
1: that's right, that's yeah. right So, I'm going to throw out a couple of dates here And then we're going to I think we're going to introduce our guest in just a few minutes Um professional wrestling returns to rona theater in ironton ohio on july 17th and um we're going to have former wwe talent from crime time jtg uh brandy lauren's going to be there shane douglas ecw uh, and matt cross from uh, most recently i think nwa and many more stars and matches um of course, some of the students will be working on that show as well. Some of the people I've been working with and keeping an eye on one, And I've got some really talented people over there, That's a really good promotion. So I'm looking forward to them returning to Ironton, Ohio. If you're in the tri-state area, um, get over there and have a good time, man. Things are opening back up in this area again. Uh, also, don't forget, it's the Bash in Beckley. Uh, I think Stephen P. News, big behind this with the ASW. And it's uh, August the 7th. And I will be at Shane Storm's corner as his manager as he takes on Jerry the King Lawler. Now, the thing about that is um, this is going to be a reunion of sorts, but uh, Lawler, for some reason, is going to have Dennis Condry there in his corner as some type of enforcer. That's not what I signed up for, but uh, I think between Shane, Shane Storm and myself, I think we'll be more than ready to take on Jerry the King Lawler. And so that's Bash and Beckley at the Riley County uh, National Guard Armory, I think it is. It has another name as well, but but I know that building well. We used to work there a lot in Smoky Mountain. It's a hell of a good wrestling atmosphere. So come out if you're in that area, uh, Huntington, Charleston, Beckley, uh, anywhere in that Bluefield, Princeton, wherever you can hear me out down that area. Come up here to Beckley that weekend, man. It should be a good time. Um, that's all my updates, Jeremy. I appreciate you letting me get them in there. And so today we're going to be joined by... Uh, Johnny Candido um, he's a co-author of a book about his brother the great Chris Candido and it's called No Gimmicks Needed uh, Johnny you know he, he's a professional wrestler himself he's gonna come on to tell about that um, he spent years wrestling the independent scene he worked some for WWE he worked for the ECW a lot um, and he's dedicated years of his life to keeping the memory of his brother alive. So I want to be uh, joined by him in just about three minutes, probably. John Cosper is the author of this book. Now, John Cosper is the author of more than 30 fiction and nonfiction books. His past wrestling titles include the biographies of The Black Panther, Jim Mitchell, and Elvira Snodgrass, as well as the other autobi- autobiographies of Dr. D. David Schwartz, Madman Pondo, Tracy Smothers, Hurricane, J.J. McGuire, and Scott Romer. You can find his wrestling books at... I'm going to repeat this during the podcast, too. It's at www.eatsleepwrestle.com. Now, I've got this book that's really, really good. Um, also, this book is dedicated to um, someone we recently lost, and that's Tracy Smothers. So this book is Dedication to the Memory of Tracy Smothers. And I know um, uh, a couple people I know bought... Uh, the Tracy's Mother's book yesterday at a wrestling show um, that uh, John Costner was at. So I was happy about that. But anyway, he is the author of the book. And uh, right now we're going to be joined by Johnny Ray, his real name, Johnny Ray, Johnny Ray Candido, brother of the late, great, no gimmicks needed, Chris Candido. Hey, man, Johnny, what's
2: going on? What's good? Yo, yo, what's up, be Blaze? So good to hear from you, brother.
1: Yes, sir. It's good to talk to you, man. We've had a couple of talks and um, kind of got back in touch with each other. It's really cool. want to reach out, uh, speak out rather and than say thanks for being a part of the podcast today. Um, my podcast partner is uh Jeremy, the Professor Vilmer. I think you two kind of maybe talked off air, but um anyway, man, thanks for uh, taking the time out of your day and, and coming on to our show, man.
2: Oh, dude, thanks for having me on. It's uh it's an honor. I'm and I'm always happy to, you know, talk about my brother and everything the book and everything that's going on so it's really cool thank you
1: yeah that's what we're here for today we're going to talk about chris candido no gimmicks needed uh by john cosper and yourself johnny candido so that's right we want to get publicity out there about the book uh we want to keep the memory of chris alive man um you know that's really important to you i know that and it is yeah that's i I had the pleasure of sharing the ring with him and we'll tell a few stories as we go on
2: Yeah, that's, my, that's definitely my, uh, one of my drives is to, uh, is to keep the, my brother's memory alive. Well, I
1: was working with him way back in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Um, part of my story is I'd finished up, smoke, uh, finished up a match at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. And uh, Cornette had already been telling me that he was going to be bringing someone in for me to work with. And um, I think it was a Sunday afternoon show. Uh, Chris wasn't booked or anything but he drove over from the Memphis area he's working down that territory or finishing up and uh, he came up to me in the back of Civic Center and um, introduced himself to me and I thought he was very professional very mature for his age and uh, we just started talking and he said you know he told me coming in he didn't have an exact starting date but he said Jimmy gave him a starting uh, gave him a guarantee he's going to be you know working the next few weeks and uh from there man we started a program and uh uh, we, we just hit it off, man. We just had a lot of good ideas in the ring. We were doing some innovative stuff at the time. Both of us being younger and athletic. And, um, man, I just uh, took right to him, man. So I just want to say it's a real pleasure to, to share the ring with Chris. And we'll tell some more yeah, could... about me and him in a, in a minute. But
2: go ahead. I was going to say, I could tell from the book, you know, like you're kind of his like first introduction into Smoky Mountain, you know. Yeah. And he's I think you're the first guy he did the top row powerbomb to. Yeah, that's and that's it's, it's yeah. also crazy to think that he, he was like, he was like 19, you know, when, when he was yeah. there, just, yeah. he was just so laser focused yeah. on wrestling that, uh, yeah. you know, it just like consumed everything, which is just, you know, it's kind of, uh, kind of inspiring. Like, like seriously, it's all he cared about. Lifting weights, wrestling, lifting weights, wrestling, yeah. like I'm he, he couldn't, burger, could tell. Yeah. He, he couldn't play any other sports. He didn't want to play any other sports. You know, I mean, we try to get him to play basketball or whatever, and he just, you know, grab a rebound, start chopping people, putting people in headlocks and shit. So he was no fun to play any real sports with. But, yeah, just wrestling 24-7. That, that's all they cared about.
1: Well, we, uh, yeah, I took the powerbomb. I tell you, we did. Um, and I'm glad John included that in the book here, uh, starting around page 56, 57. They start introducing me into the storyline. And uh, it's straight truth. Um way he wrote it up and i, I know john's the wrestling historian. but yeah we had a four-day run coming up we've been working for a while uh we had a four-day run coming up for a thanksgiving thunder tour in 93 and uh chris had this idea <laughs> of uh doing a power bomb on me off the top rope and i was like you know i was a little bit leery of it but uh we discussed it in the hallway and um so I ended up taking a thing. Well, the first night was in Hazard, Kentucky. We had a four-day loop with Hazard, Kentucky, Johnston City, Tennessee, Morristown, Tennessee, and of course Knoxville, Tennessee. So the first night we had a pretty good crowd. Uh, we get ready to go do the deal. And, and Chris picks me up and launches me. And, um, you know, I take the power bomb. So Chris is climbing, he's he's, he's climbs back up the top rope like he's gonna jump on me. Well, I jumped back up and drop kick uh, you know, I just took this big, devastating move, and then I'm jumping right back up uh, and, and kicking him. So, anyway, we get the deal off, and then we go to the back, and Kevin Sullivan's waiting for us.
2: <laughs> and oh, Sullivan, man. I was going to say, he couldn't be too happy. Yeah,
1: yeah he was just like, um, he pulled us over there, and he started talking to us, very professional, of course, but he was like, uh, so, Bobby, here's the thing. Danette, or if you're going to do this again, Bobby, you just be, you You die. When you take the bump, just lay there. And Chris, you sell it. Bobby, dead weight him. Don't come up for him or anything. That's the fucking finish. You just, that's the finish. The next three, I mean, you know, depending on the next three nights, that was what it will be. And uh, so Kevin's been real serious and animated, you know, how he talks and stuff. And he goes, um <laughs> Uh, so... Actually, we did that the next three nights, and it worked perfect. Because Chris act like he killed me; he couldn't pick me up, and just went for the pin or whatever. But Sullivan is giving us this advice about how to make it real. And he goes, "Excuse me, I got a spike match with Brian Lee right now." <laughs> <I think for laughs> second, he had like an Asian spike match coming up. He's 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 telling me and Chris not to kill kill each other. He's yelling, he's "You you'll kill, kill someone with a spike, you know." So anyway, he's
2: yelling, at "You guys, he's are gonna stab a guy in the forehead." <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And uh, so Chris and I turned around and looked at each other. I mean, we literally looked at each other and started laughing out loud, man, as someone was walking away. We didn't mean it disrespectful, but it's like, you just really, you go to fucking could tell us. You
2: know, but it was really cool. But I was pretty nice. I give you so much credit for, for taking that. I've I I never even. i done a top row powerbomb from the other way, like slid underneath him and then climbed up and yeah, did it yeah. that way. But to have to balance... And, like, how much do you help? Does he do it all the way? Like, I, I put it like this. On the Internet, I've seen so many people mess that up. Yeah. And, like, you know, the guy in the bottom tries to help too much and they fall backwards or, you know, like, man, that had to be something I a, to. I
1: was athletic at that time, you know, and uh, good shape and uh, knew what the fuck I was doing, you know, because Chris knew what the fuck he was doing. And I had him lift me up. Well, I'd been in the ring with him a lot anyway, so I know how strong he was. But I had him lift me up a couple times uh, in the hallway prior to it just to see how if if I needed how much I needed to crunch at the top, if I needed to reach over and put my hands behind his head to, for balance or anything. It all worked out, though, man. So.
2: And that, that's funny because that kind of ties it. I, I came down to Smoky Mountain around that time. So he was 19. I was 9. And, uh, okay. you know, I came there a couple times. I remember that dude, uh, uh, Bruiser Bedlam. And new
1: moment,
2: <laughs> Yeah, because because my brother was like, dude, this guy is a freaking madman. You know, he he has like a seven hundred pound bench, and and then Bruce at Bedlam was like, he's like, hey kid, he's like, uh, he's like, when you get older, if you're a three plate guy, don't even talk to me. If you're a four plate <laughs> guy, you, you you can get me a cold drink. If you're a five plate guy, we can hang out. And then so I'm like, I'm gonna be, I'm like, I'm gonna be a five plate guy because Chris before he left in a powerlifting contest, benched five oh five, right? So. Yeah. Fast forward to me being 20, me, Chris, and John, balls Mahoney, we're all training together at, at Jersey Shore at this gym, right, you know, right right down uh, a couple of towns away. And, you know, I, I get, I get five plates on there and uh, then I'm like, screw it. And I like, put a 10 on either, you know, either side, make it 505. i five. I freaking right. banging out for a double. I'm freaking stoked. You know, I'm doing the strut. I'm freaking happy. You know, I got five plates. So we go to this bar called Barry's, which is, like, across the street from the gym. We get yeah. a couple of drinks in us. My brother's like, hey, bartender. He's like, check out my little brother, man. He's 20 years old, just benched 500 pounds. Check him out, he's 20 years old. The bartender's like, how old is he? Like, waking his eye. He's like, he's 20 years old, man, check him out. Fucking 20 years old. And uh, Balls is like, two, two. My brother's like, Pro re- Mr. Wrestling number two? What, what does he have to do with anything? And the the, the bartender's like how old is he he's like he's fucking deaf he's 22 years old he's, he's 20 years old and I'm like dipshit the drinking age is 21 he's like oh god he's like sorry he's 21 he's, he's it just took him so long but it was so funny because you know he wasn't a big drinker so we had like a couple shots and he was just like yeah. oh man 20 years old check him out it was fucking hilarious you know the part didn't give a shit I mean we went there all the time but it was just funny because well, yeah. I, I was I, I took that away from Smoky uh, Mountain. out yeah yeah <laughs> that was funny I just remember that, he, that dude Bruiser Bedlam made a big impression on me as a kid I'm like yeah dude I'm gonna bench fucking 700 pounds so yeah that was a really cool place yeah
1: that, 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 he'd go into the gym and put four plates on there <laughs> he'd do like 315 for like you know five or six reps just real easy as a warm up but he'd put the 405 on there and he'd bring it down he, he did this in Morristown one time he brought it down to his chest and held it <laughs> young kid working behind the counter <laughs> he likes run over, run over to because he's thinking brutal bruisers uh, struggling with that right because he's got to lay it on the chest and he's going fuck, fuck and he's he's working the kid. The kid comes running over there and. <laughs> Love just pushes the weight back and racks it get the fuck out of here kid don't get in here Over, not me a drink he just starts dropping the fuck out of the guy man and the guy brings him a towel over brings him a drink over and all that you know just like he was crazy like that though man
2: oh dude that's funny yeah I remember when I did the 505 I just I, I let my chest gotta help me it just like ding ding nailed that yeah. a double I'm like fucking got it you know that was just yeah, like one lift. It, it, yeah yeah Well, you know at the time we were uh, Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny you know, I, uh, I, I the, the story's in the book, but it's funny if I tell it because yeah. around the yeah. same time, around the same time, me and Chris, we went and we we picked up some gas, you know, some some steroids from our friend in uh, in Brooklyn, and we're driving back home, and we're like, "Yo, let's stop at Nature's Corner, it's this health food store. That's uh, that's like by our house. We're like, let's yeah. let's stop at Nature's Corner and get uh, get a wheatgrass shot and like a, a kale juice or something." So we're yeah. fucking, you know, we're standing online. And my friend, Shawnee's mom, she's like, she's like, Jonathan, Christopher, I didn't know t- you two were juicing. Me and him <laughs> are like looking at each other like, what? She's like, I didn't know you two were juicing. How long have you guys been on juice? And we're like, um, we're like, fuck, is so like pins hanging out of her pocket? We're like, what? She's like, she's like, I love being on the juice. And then we realized we're standing at a juice bar. You know, and and my brother's like, oh, juice. He's like, yeah, I've fucking been on the juice for a while now. He's like, I love it. You know, she's like, doesn't it make you? She makes like it makes you feel so strong and good. He's like, yeah, it clears up your skin. Fucking makes you strong. It was so because like when she said it, both of us were like our fucking hearts dropped, and then we realized, you know, she was thinking talking about fucking kale and celery juice, right? And we're thinking, you know, it was funny, but yeah, we had, and had a lot of fun, man, and it's it's really now, cool to through, see, man. What's that? I,
1: it's funny to hear you tell the stories. I was going to say, I read the book all the way through. I finished it last Friday. Uh, there's some really good stories in there. But hearing you say them out loud, it's much more fun, you know, to hear. Uh, but I did enjoy the book. I am going to leave a five-star review for, for you guys, man. It's uh, well worth it. Um, Jeremy, you
0: got anything to ask about? Well, you know, um, I, I, I kind of do. I, I'm interested more, like, in the uh, your guys' early days. I mean, obviously, Chris was, what, 10 years older than you? Okay. So when he got into wrestling, you were still what, four or five years old.
2: Yeah. Something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, I was going to say, just, just kind of working out what I've read a little bit here. So were you a wrestling fan at that point? Kind of what was your relationship to wrestling because your big brother was a wrestler?
2: I mean, you know, I was, I was a fan of him, whatever he did. I was going with him, you know, like, uh, I think I kind of realized what everything was when I was like maybe like seven or eight. He was like seventeen, eighteen, and he took me to a local a local show, and he worked Sabu, and then on top uh, was Terry Funk and Eddie Gilbert. And I was like, "Holy shit, this is really awesome!" And then, uh, you know, he just kept he was bringing him, you know, he just he would just bring me with him all over the place. So that's when I started really becoming a wrestling fan, but it was more. It was more like I was a fan of him. Like, if he said a guy was yeah. great, I thought the guy was great. If he said the guy was the shits, I thought the guy was the shits. Like, whatever, you know, whatever he said, I kind of went with because he was my big brother, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'd say, yeah, around, like, 7, 8, I started to realize what he was doing, what he was trying to go for. And uh, I kind of got it. I remember he uh, he was showing me this um, – he put, like, a compilation together of uh, – you know, like, like moves and him taking bumps to that rat song round and round. And he's like, Hey dude, watch this. So I was watching it. And half of it is, uh, I know, um, uh, Nightmare Danny Davis was in a lot of it. And you know, he's, my brother's taking backdrops. He's taking, you know, you know, big high arm drop, you know, hip tosses. I'm like, dude, you're getting your ass kicked the whole time. Like this is not, nobody's going to want to hire you watching this bullshit. And he's like, no, I got to show him I can bump. I can't just be on there, you know, winning the whole time you know so i kind of got what it was after that
1: yeah because you know he, he,
2: you know he did some offense but a lot of it was him you know chris used to like feed for bump you know feed for stuff fucking, like, yeah. you know take a big high backdrop big high hip toss so i saw it and i'm like dude you got your ass kicked the whole time that's a terrible tape <laughs> but then i realized what it was yeah uh, so ever since then i was a a, i was a big me. fan <laughs>
1: Have will travel, you know. That's that's my book was Pin Me Pay Me, and I talked about Chris in there about the bumps he would take and stuff. Man, that's that's uh, that's good stuff. So, um, when when because you all he was doing shows out on a beach and stuff, and then renting rings from uh, what Larry Sharp by the time he like 14, 15, right?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah like he, earlier, he, like thir- yeah. like like 13, like uh, uh, yeah, like so yeah, there's this park in Spring Lake, and uh, he like like I said, he turned so like the whole. The whole fourth floor in our house was his. It's like a yeah. bedroom, and then there's an all aw- like there's like a side, a big side storage room. He called his office, and like he there's like tens of thousands of wrestling magazines up there, posters galore. He had, you know, all kind of shit up there. From the time he was like, you know, he had a TV in that room, a TV in the other room, but he like would cook up his little wrestling schemes in there, and he's like, I want to have wrestling in Spring Lake, and he like put on a suit and tie and with like a briefcase and went to the freaking, to the town council meeting and like proposed why they should have wrestling in spring Lake. And they gave him the go ahead. And uh, so he got the ring uh, balls was there. And what's funny is there's pictures of balls. And my brother from that time, like Chris looks like he's 13 balls. Looks like he's 35. (laughs) Like he has like a fucking beard (laughs) and chest hair. And then, uh, and Bam Bam Bigelow is a town over and Bam Bam's nine years older than Chris. So Bammer was like semi-established. So he came over and wrestled. So they did that for a couple summers. So he really, you know, he was just all over the place as far as wrestling, wherever there was like, well, Hey, you said have boots, will travel. That's that was him. Like he was just up and down all over, you know, anywhere there was a show, he was there. As far as even when we went on like family vacations, I remember to Puerto Rico, I was little, but I remember vaguely that they were holding some kind of like, um, maybe it was cauliflower alley. They, They were doing something at a nearby hotel, And, you know, my parents are like, don't you want to go snorkeling? He's like, no, no, no. I want to go to the, you know, I want want to go to the, to the embassy suites or whatever and and see all the wrestlers. Yeah. Like that's all he, that's all he cared about, you know? Right on, man. So it's really cool. And it's cool to see that, that this many people still really like his story. Like, you know, I kind of check on Amazon every day to see where the book is. It's always in the top 100 most popular wrestling books. Today's number 45. And it's been as high as five. It's beautiful. It's, I I (laughs) freaking love it that, that people are loving it so much, you know? It just hard there's I have so one hundred so that's real good. Yeah, it's like I, there's so many other stories I wish I could have gotten in there. That, uh, like for instance, you, you know you know the picture in the uh, in the book where it's a whole bunch of us about to play tug of war, and it says yeah, Chris yeah, prepares yeah. to get. So that's not the real story of that of that picture. That picture is so bam bam Bigelow. He moved from here. He's like he's like Chris Johnny. He's like I. I bought this place in, in Pennsylvania. I'm gonna, it's going to be Bam Bam Bigelow's uh, sub shop and ice cream parlor. And it's on like four acres of land. He's like, for the grand opening, I want to have Bam Fest. He's like, we're going to have wrestling. We're going to uh, have live bands. We're going to have like bouncy castles for kids. We're going to have fucking hot dog eating contest, um, tug of war contest, um, fucking arm wrestling. Like he had, he had like this whole thing set up, yeah. right? So, so the he's like, Oh, I don't want to oversaturate it with wrestling. So we did like, I worked my friend Thunderbolt. Um, my friend Paulie worked, um, Ray Apollo, who was doing at the time. Um, or, you know, who worked as Doink. Uh, balls worked Mike cruel and Chris and Bammer were on top. And then after, after that, there was a, a fucking tug of war contest. So it's me, my brother, two of my friends or three of my friends who are just like skinny surfer dudes and balls. And We're winning. We're kicking everybody's ass in this contest, right? And then we get to the finals against a fucking professional tug-of-war team. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, these dudes were all, like, 400-plus pounds. They had fucking cleats on. They were chalking their hands up and, like, knocking heads together and shit. So we huddle up, and, and Chris is like, he's like, yo, there's no way we're beating these fat fucks. He's like, so let's start. Let's get them going. And then on the count of three, we'll let the rope go. We're like, all right. So we get in there. That's why the picture, we're all kind of like holding back smiles. So we get in there, yeah. and we're fucking going. These guys are fucking going. And then we go, one, two, three. We let the rope go. <laughs> These fat fucks went flying, like far, like a lot farther than we thought, like bowling pins. Like one dude, like, hit his head on the ring truck. And they they jumped up like they were going to do something for a second. And then they saw, like, you know, balls and bammer and everyone. They thought better of yeah. it. But, yeah, they yeah, went absolutely. fucking flying. It was, it was funny as shit. So, yeah, we had we had a lot of fun. No, I can the I could literally was, write write a part uh, two.
1: Yeah, I hope you do, man. Tell us more story. You sent me some video. Of how close y'all actually lived to Balls Mahoney and and how y'all spoke <laughs> with them.
2: So, <laughs> oh and my God, at
1: a baseball game or something, Chris is out there fucking around and like you know, hey, the ball's coming to you. Chris is like, uh, you know, he didn't yeah, live yeah. To yeah. play baseball to begin with, and that's where he met Balls. Though Balls was like riding by on his bike, right, or something.
2: Right. Yeah. So Balls was riding by on his bike and like he had like a Roddy Piper shirt on. My brother's like, hey, you like wrestling? You know. John's like, like yeah yeah I like wrestling and they, they were talking you know and uh, you know like a ball came Chris's way and he just everybody's like catch the ball and he just kind of threw the mitt out there and just kept talking to John <laughs> and, and they we just preface this by saying he was so the shit to baseball like so when I was younger all I did was play baseball I, I pitched I had a fucking cannon I used to throw so fast so you know my dad and whoever had a catcher's mitt to catch me because I had like 12 I was throwing rockets and I'd be like, "Cook, come on, let's play catch, let's play catch." So I would fucking rifle the ball at him, and he would just kind of paw at it with the catcher's mitt. And he would, sometimes he would ricochet up in the air, and I'd catch it. He's like, "I'm so good, I can catch it and throw it at the same time," but he really was terrible at it. But balls lived right, right down the street from us. So, yeah. like and you,
1: you mentioned uh, Cook. I, I didn't, I never knew that was his nickname until I read the book. Actually,
2: yeah, it's it's. It's kinda of like a nickname in the family when I was a kid. Yeah. To his face, I have never I've never called him Chris. I always called him Cook. When I was a kid, I couldn't say Chris. That's why I, yeah. I called him Cook and it's just one of those family things we just picked. And people around the neighborhood just knew him as Cook, my yeah. older brother, you know. But uh yeah, John Balls was a, a fucking madman. Like there's so many funny fucking funny stories. Like the one in the book is just one of a bazillion when he was scratching his nuts making chicken. Like
1: Oh God. D- yeah. Dude, getting like, sick reading that.
2: That was and it I've was so funny though because it, it was funny because oh sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna say I've been around him. He wasn't the most uh uh the cleanest of guys anyway. And one no. time I, I could tell you the town it was Barbersville, Kentucky, and we were we were out there selling, um, doing our gimmick wars before the matches and he let a fart. Yeah, fucking cleared out the gimmick table. Sandy Scott got hot about it, and you can't. He went in the locker room. He sent him to the locker room. He said, "You can't be out of here doing that." And he just kept ripping him, man. It was just,
2: oh, Joe, listen to this. You want to hear something worse than that? Listen to this. So if it's worse than a chicken story. Nah. <laughs> yeah, it is, but it's funnier. So fucking. Uh, so I, I. So after Chris passes, I go out to NWA to Midwest Ed Schumann his his uh, his company. And they're like, Johnny, you're going to win the the NWA Midwest title, the the heavyweight title. So after going there a couple times, like, who do you want to work with? I'm like, I'll work with Balls. So they bring Balls in. So long story short, we pull up to O'Hare. Ed Truman's driving this big, uh, like Lincoln Continental. I'm in the backseat. I think it's another kid, Silas Young, and another kid named Dukes is in the backseat. So we're driving. Someone lights up a joint and passes it. So if you know Balls, Balls talks incessantly. He's like, anyway, so me and John, whatever. He's talking. He takes the joint. And he starts smoking it. He's like, yeah, we're going to the spot where we do the table. All of a sudden, he, it's like somebody hit an off button. He stopped. And he goes, pull over, pull over, pull over. Blah! Fucking projectile vomits all over the front of Ed Schumann's car. All in the vents. Yeah. All up in the freaking, all up in the windshield. The guy pulls over on the highway. Balls pukes all over his door. So now Balls is on all fours with his ass in the air puking. Just go, blah! And Ed Humans looking around to see, you know, what he's puking on. Balls ass is like a centimeter from Ed Humans face, and Balls goes and farts. The guy goes, "You farted in my fucking face!" Me and the guys in the back seat fell out of the car. We were laughing so hard; it was the funniest thing I ever saw with my own two eyes. It was hilarious, man. He was he was a freaking character. And yeah, I, I have so many funny ball stories, man. So yeah, we just always fuck with him, like we, because I, I just showed you that little. So the, if I would have gone straight, there would have been a light where I just showed you, like, the, the path from our house to his house. So we'd always have to pass his house if we wanted to beat the light. And we'd see him outside. He'd, you know, tell us to come in or whatever. And then, you know, I, I tell kind of it, some of it in the book. But he's like, you know, Chris was like, "Yo, I, I wonder, like, like, what do you think Balls does in that house? It's like a small house and he had, like, dogs and cats and all kind of shit. So we're like, well, let's go there. So we freaking went there at, like, midnight. And uh, he's sitting there in his boxer shorts eating. He's got a tray table. He's got one slice of bologna and a fork and knife. So I read me and Chris are fucking dying laughing. We're like, what the f- One slice of bologna? And then just ever so gently just just tapped on his windows. He fucking stops, like freezes, starts getting all fucking weirded out. Goes back to cutting his bologna. Tap, tap, tap. Knock again. He stops it like two or three more times. Then I fucking boom, 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 and nail, knock on his windows. We run away. We come back to his house all the time. And fucking one time he was laying on the ground naked reading a book. We fucking bashed <laughs> into his door. We, we kept fucking with him, and he thought his house was haunted. He's like Chris Johnny. He's like there's two spirits at my window at night. I'm telling you. I'm telling you this is true. He's like they're angry spirits, and they do this. he's like tell us all about. Like, I don't. I, I don't think we even told him. I think he died thinking his house was haunted. And then he started blaming everything oh, on the ghost. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, my refrigerator flew open and, a, and, and all the ice came dumping out. And all of a sudden he's like, my, my medication went missing. The fucking ghost is stealing the medication. <laughs> <laughs> everything was, it was the fucking ghost, you know. It was funny. But, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun with that motherfucker. And it's still, yeah, it's crazy to think that him and Chris are gone, you know, because they still, they're, 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 their presence still looms large in the neighborhood amongst like, you know, yeah. all, all of my friends and everybody who grew up with them, you know? Yeah.
1: So, um, the, let's just go straight to it there. Like I think the cause of death was pneumonia, right? Because I had heard for years that it was the, uh, he had a blood clot in his leg where he broken his leg and then flew home too soon.
2: Um, yeah. that, so, Like, you know, you know like happened. I said, that, that, yeah, that, that, That could have happened, but on the, uh, you know, on, on the autopsy, it said acute pneumonia and there was other factors too that like, you know, I I think it's said in the book, like, like I get, you know, like right when he, so I talked to him right after it happened, he's like, dude, I'm fine. Everything's cool. I called back a little bit, a little bit later. Shane answered the phone. He's like, yeah, you know, your brother's talking to the doctor. He's totally fine. He's eating food, whatever. Then he went, he did TV the next two days. I talked to him, he flew home, I talked to him when he was home, and he's like, uh, I'm like, yo, dude, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, get some sleep, you can come over and hang if you want, I'm like, I'll get some sleep, and then I'll, you know, I'll come pick you up or whatever, and then I, I get a call a little bit later, you know, they're like, cook's in the hospital, I'm like, what? You know, so it, I fucking went dashing to the hospital, and yeah, long story short, I got there, so he was like, just, and what sucked so much as it's still in my head is that like I pulled out and my mom, as I was leaving, I saw her walking up the street from walking on the boardwalk and I'm like, mom cooks in the hospital. So she like, you know, she was scared of shit. So I got there first and I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, cook, 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 you know, try to wake him up. And, uh, you know, obviously he didn't fucking wake up because I, you know, when, when he was on drugs, he would have seizures if he didn't have somas. So I was able to pull him out of of him like having a seizure, I would just make him look at me and his, you know try to fixate on me so he wouldn't fucking yeah. die. And so you know and yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of factors, but yes, the 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 both as you said, acute pneumonia. His his lungs filled with with fluid, and that's what killed him. So sucks, man. It was definitely fucking preventable, and that's what fucking kills me. Because when you think about it, like you know he had he had some pretty fucking dark times, and I was there throughout all of them. And I was just like, dude. Like, it was like it was like one of those days we were sitting there eating. He was bitching about the business, and he was just like, "Damn! When I was fucking nineteen, I was not ready to Smoky Mountain. I was ready going to Japan." I'm like, "That's why you fucking made it, dipshit." You know, like, why don't you get your ass in gear? I'm like, "You're only like thirty years old." He, he seems yeah. much older, but so he's like, "You, you know, know what? Fuck it." He's like, "Damn, I fucked everything up." I'm like, "Let's go. Let's get that shit back." And like, contrary to, you know, popular belief, he he was, he, he didn't have an addictive personality when he was like, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop drugs. It was like pretty fucking instantaneous, you know, like he fucking, you know, felt like shit for a couple of days, but then he was just, he was like, it was like, he was like, re, he, he found his love for the business again. Not that he ever, not that he ever left, but it was like a different kind of, he could see it through different eyes. Like now he's a veteran, he's older, he's, you know, that, that was some of my favorite work of his and just my favorite time. Cause he was just, you know, not that he ever changed or was different but it was just great to know that he was you know totally clean and i almost think that's like he dodged so many bullets of of like overdosing and shit like i remember being in puerto rico with him and we'd walk past where where eddie gilbert died he'd be like yeah and i mean i was taking so much too because whatever he did i fucking did and i remember like you know passing eddie he's like yeah man you know Whatever, I'll die young and leave a good-looking corpse. I'm like, dude, don't fucking say that shit. Like, what the fuck? Right. And then when we got home, he fucking, he really cleaned the shit up. And it was, uh, it was like o- overnight. He was either going, like me and him went to Raw together because Tom Pritchard was a agent there. And they were pretty much like, wait a little bit and then come back. And then TNA was like, come here right now. And, you know, Chris made money from wrestling, so we went to TNA right away. And he get a talk with JR. And JR's like, even if you do go over there and do good, it'll just go. he's like, it's a win-win. Just go to TNA yeah. for now. So he did. And, you know, he was starting to make his way back up. And it's so crazy to think he's he passed the 33. That's the age my little yeah. sisters are. And I still yeah. look at them like they're my little fucking sisters, you know? So it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's kind of a mind fuck to think young, I'm I'm fucking 39. And I still feel like a kid. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man. the... Long story long, it was acute pneumonia. Let
1: me uh, bring up the elephant in the room, if you will. Um, when I met Chris shortly thereafter, I met Tammy. She was just a young girl. Um, when I was around her, you know, things were a lot different then. And, yeah. And um, I had I – actually, um, when he went to WWE or at WWF back in the day, um, they, were, they were near here. I went backstage, and, you know, of course, Chris comes around the corner, Bobby Blaze, my favorite opponent. But, again, I got to talk to, you know, him and, and Tammy. And um, so I just was uh, when I knew her. It was a whole different time period than, than eventually what happened and things that started. Do you have anything to say? You want to go into that rather than talk about
2: her? I don't. I don't, I don't
1: care. Things to say because I had her. Oh. I, uh, it was a different time period in their lives when when I met her. You know, and um, they were together. So I don't know if you to um, bring up. Easter I mean, I, I don't. I, yeah, it not I, I, I don't. In the book, you said um, to a couple of the boys that were there, um, you know, Chris is gone. We don't have to be her friend anymore. So I didn't know what that. How bad Yeah, no, it was
2: your relationship with her or not, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, pretty much fuck her. Like I, I like you know, right yeah. after Chris died, she comes out and says all well, these dudes she banged. Like what the fuck? And people are like, oh, yeah. Chris must have been into it, dude. That's like I saw him trying to fucking hang himself. He wasn't into it, trust me, you know. And she would just do the most wild shit, like I, like I. I I kind of remember time periods by like what crazy thing Tammy did. Like I remember like when Chris was in Japan in 2002, I was 20 and he's like, Oh, you know, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Keep an eye on Tammy. No problem. Right. And at 20, you're kind of a knucklehead. So me and my friends, it's like midnight. And we're like, Oh, we ran out of beers. You know, we're going to go get some more beer. I'm like, uh, and you know, somebody's like, Oh, let's go. Let's get Tammy to get us beer. So the only place that would sell beer at that time is a bar with packaged goods, right? Yeah. So we, we go to this bar, the spring Lake Manor. We give her whatever, 30, 40 bucks. And, uh, I'm in the car. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. She's not coming out. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Maybe a half hour would by. She not coming out. I go in the bar and she's at the bar drinking. Right. And I'm like, yo, where's our beer? Let's go. She gets up and there's a bunch of pool tables there. And there's these like, there's these dudes that are playing pool with money on the game and she slapped all the all the balls off the table so now these guys are like hey you fucking bitch they start screaming at her i'm like yo don't fucking say that so i'm fucking fighting with these guys because she knocked the balls all over the place right so me and these guys starting to fight my friend sue who was dating one of these guys i used to have like parties at chris's house and shit when he was like gone and uh, my friend sue was at the bar and trying to calm things down she's like She's like, oh, Tammy, I've, I've been to your house. It's a it's a beautiful house. She's like, you've been to my house? And then Tammy just starts attacking me. I'm like, motherfucker. Oh, so, right, so she's punching me. She's fucking fighting me. So I, my, I tell my friends to leave. I'm driving with one hand, driving the other hand, fucking fending her off. And she's fucking attacking me. So we fucking get back to the house. I fucking bring her inside. She sits down. Whatever. Then she goes. She's like, "Oh, I'm really sorry about everything that happened tonight. Uh, can I have a hug?" I'm like, "All right, sure. I'll give you a hug." Go to give her a hug. She fucking palm strikes me right in the fucking nose as hard as she can. I was so <laughs> fucking pissed. I fucking like a, like a gun. I, I put like five holes in the door and just ripped it off the fucking hinges. As she just laughed. You know, like, she she was she's a fucking psycho. Like when I tell you about when when Chris was dead, and uh, like when I got into the into the room and i'm trying to wake him up she comes back in through him and she goes hey i go what she's like they only gave me eight xanax for this like that's where her fucking head was like like two seconds after chris died like she would just do fucking off the wall like uh, just like another annoying thing like you know me me, chris and my friends will all go to the gym together and uh you know we'd fuck around have you know lift weights and one day my one, you know, those, like, those, those bars that, that are just at the gym, you can kind of, like, stretch with them. They, they, yeah. They're, like, uh, whatever the fuck they're called. They're just, like, like bars. My one friend was was stretching, and she, like, kind of walked into it, and it kind of tapped her eye. And she <laughs> fell on the ground, started selling her eyes, screaming she has to go to the hospital. <laughs> so Chris is like, babe, you know, let me see your eye. She wouldn't let nobody see her eye. She had her fucking hand, like, plastered over her eye. So, mind you, we used to go to the gym late, like 9, 10 at night. She's like, I have to go to that fucking hospital. And uh, so we're like, my friend's like, I barely touched her. We're like, yeah, I know. you know. Yeah. She's like, I have to go to the hospital. So, of course, we have to fucking count out her fucking bullshit. So we're going to the hospital, right? We go to Perth Amboy Hospital. She's holding her eye, holding her eye. They call her in. We're in the waiting room for like fucking four or five hours. Now it's four in the morning. She comes back out not selling the eye anymore when she goes all i got for this is ultram fuck this and she ripped the prescription up, and we left like what the fuck and then so like the, and then in the car on the way on the car on the way back home she's like i want white castle i'm like i don't even know where the fuck a white castle is and she's like i'm the one that got hurt i fucking want white castle i'm like all right so i had to go fucking looking for a white castle at fucking four in the morning like dude it was a nightmare like seriously and like the last time i saw her i mean there were so many but i So many incidents. But like the last, the last time I saw her was, it was it was like right after. So I I had had gotten, I'd been working a lot. I'd been like, I'd hurt my neck. Long story short, I hurt my neck this one on the weekend. And We had we used to work at Wildwood. We used to have at this other beach in New Jersey. We had a matinee show and a night show. And at the night show, she brought this chick Janelle who liked me, and she's like, why don't we all go on the rides? and shit together so i knew if i said no she was gonna fucking yell and scream and start a fight but because i i went to the hospital i fucking caught a really bad stinger like four days before but i still went on the rides and then we're in line for the bumper cars and i'm like I'm like with my neck i'm like I, i'm not gonna go on the bumper cars and that was her end she's like you fucking motherfucker she's like your fucking head's so big you can't fit through a fucking hole uh, a doorway and she fucking slapped me I'm like, don't fucking touch me. Jeez. She's like, your brother never cared. I'm like, I'm not my fucking brother. And she fucking slapped me again. I'm like, don't fucking touch me. She slapped me again. And, you know, like when you're in line for rides, there's like those guardrails. I just hopped the yeah. guardrail and she hopped the guardrail after me and was fucking like attacking me from behind. And I just walked. Jeez. I just kept walking. And then I called my friends and was like, dude, I'm leaving this bitch here. Fuck her, you know? Yeah. Like, dude, I, I can't even explain. Like, she's a fucking nightmare. I, I don't I don't know like, I, if if you get me rolling on Tammy stories, we'll be on the phone for fucking 10 hours. You know Uh, what? I'm
0: going to, I'm going to interject real quick here then and kind of head things in a different direction. So you you told us about a point where your brother was like over wrestling and or, or at least wanting to get back in control. What was the point he was happiest in wrestling?
2: His, I got to say it was probably, well, I know for a fact when he got signed with WWE in the, Mm -hmm. the, 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 the very beginning That's when When it was was like, like, you know, all his hard work was validated, you know, he, he made it. And then also, then when he got clean, he was just like, dude, I'm so fucking happy because he was back living around the old neighborhood. He was, you know, he's like, he he, probably from when he got clean, like late, like late mid Oh four to when he died. That was the happiest that I, I could ever, I ever saw him, you know, he was so fucking happy. Just, you know again, just being booked fucking constantly, being, you know, just being – he he found his love for the business again. And, uh, you know, I could really say – I mean, he would tell me all the time, he's the fucking happiest I've been. He's like, I, I can't believe I just would, like, sleep my fucking days away and do nothing. You know, I was like, this is fucking great. And, like, you know, I think in the book it even says something where, like, he was like – like, he'd go to shows and, like, after his match, he'd still be like, fuck, I, I still have so much energy. I Can I go sell hot dogs or something? Like, he would just be so – you know, he was so back in love with the with, with what he was doing. So
1: yeah,
2: I got to say, there's that one picture in the book where it's like me, him, my little sisters, and Tammy in, in, a, in, a, in a wrestling ring, and, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he was just fucking glowing because that year I had won match of the year with Balls Mahoney. Not, like, nationally, but there was a, yeah. uh, a website called uh, Declaration of Independence, and me and Balls did a, uh, you know, we had a Tables, Ladders, and Chairs match, and it, it got ranked number one. And he called, and when he saw that, he, like, called me up, like, almost crying. He's like, dude, you want a match of the year? Holy shit. So <laughs> he was just so happy. Like, I, you know, I was working. He was back, like, working constantly. You know, he was back around home, back around all the people. Not that he ever left, but now he was, like, down the street, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was He was just so fucking happy. Which is why, wow. you know, in the beginning, I write, like, like, kind of in the foreword, how, you know, I was so scared that he was going to like die of a fucking overdose and that just would be so like not fitting for him because of how much he loved the business and that it would just made him a footnote, but, you know, seeing that he pulled all up, the shit together and got his life back together. And, you know, it just really, you know, it, 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 for him to go out, you know, just on a SOMA overdose or something that, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be right for him and all the love and work and, you know, all the passion yeah. he had. So I'm just real I grateful for support. that. Okay. Yeah, we
1: appreciate it. Um, I know I also when he was the NWA champion, he came to um, my hometown and uh, he defended a title right here at the National Guard Armory. And, of course, Tammy is with him as the manager. But um, I know he was really happy then because he was in between. Um, he was getting ready to sign with either – he had been to all Japan, and he came back and he, 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 he had a, just a few more obligations with the uh, with, uh, book for Smoky Mountain. And then he was also in negotiation with WWE, or WWF at the time, and that's that's the way, you know, after he did that tour, I think he went ahead and signed with, that's when he signed, you know, with the WWE, so, um, man, I I just, like I said, I I really loved your brother a lot. Um, Two people I miss a lot in this business, and and Chris is one of them, and the other one is, um, again, we're talking about the book, uh, No Gimmicks Needed, it's dedicated to the memory of Tracy Smothers, and and uh, when I saw that in there, man, I was just like, oh, man, brought a tear to my eye because that's two of the guys I do miss uh, sometimes. Oh. Um, some people, some people, times um, I have a hard time dealing with. Uh, I-, I think it's survivor's guilt to me sometimes, but um, uh, that's just I on hear. me. That's not on you know. But um, I, the, the book itself, man, definitely five stars. Uh, you can get it at. Um, uh, let's see, it's uh, wrestling dot com. Um, Johnny, you're at, uh, what, at, on, on Twitter? Can people reach you at Candido118? Is that okay? Yep. Uh, people want to follow up with that. Of course, you can follow up with me at BobbyBlaze744, the professor at The Geekish Cast. And we have a joint account. It's Bell2Blaze. Bell, uh, Those are all on Twitter. Um, feel free to interact, and uh, uh, maybe you can reach out to Johnny if you need to. Um, actually, John Castro, has a uh, he's on Twitter as well. Um, if you're looking for his book, but,
2: um, man, I'm sure you, you, can, also get, you can also get, you can also get it on Amazon too.
1: Yes. You, yes you, I was going to
2: say, you can get Chris's book head. on Amazon too. Mm-hmm. The, the Eat Sleep Brussels for, you know, we have signed copies there and regular copies. I, I think there's still some signed copies left and, uh, also on Amazon, you know, you can pick up yeah. the book there, but yeah, I definitely oh. think it's a, a fitting tribute and I, I love all the feedback. Everybody's been giving me people yeah, have been hitting me up left I and like right. It. Loving it.
1: Like you said, I was doing at my book at the beginning. I've got a couple out there, and I, I haven't checked on the ranking for a while, but I used to, you know, and I know how hard it is to stay in that top 100. Here it is in the top 50 now at number 45. Um, sometimes if people, you know, it's buy two or three books a day, um, it moves you up quite a bit and get on that main page, you know, uh, get that publicity out there because it's, it's, it's a very good read. I enjoyed it. Um, professionally done. The timeline and the history of – uh, from, you know, Chris's early stages to to the end there, man, are, are spot on. Uh, and, again, I know John's a wrestling historian. so, But uh, uh just want you to know, brother, I can't say enough good things about your brother, man, because uh, uh, he was a important part of my early um, success in professional wrestling, uh, just like I was for his. And uh, I'll never forget those days, man. Uh, we shared hotel rooms together a couple of times. You know, I went to his house in Knoxville, an apartment there in Knoxville, and I ate several times. Um, You know, just... I think we did about everything except for uh, uh, we traveled together. Uh, Sabu had a show up in uh, Detroit for us for a couple-day runs. He helped me get booked on that, of course, and uh, me, him, Tass, Sabu got to hang out, you know, just guys that, you know, you know a lot better than I did, you know, um, later on. But, you know, I knew them guys just through your brother, you know, from getting on them shows with them and uh, got to travel with them some. And, you know, again, just uh, once you know, man...
2: uh, I,
1: I, I appreciate the friendship and respect that we had for each
2: other. Yeah, man. And and Chris, you know, when you asked me when he was happiest, I mean, he was always a happy guy. Like he would yeah. rather he would rather joke about something than be serious. Like he was always, you know, in good spirits. But I just know, you know, how you know, when you asked me like when his happiest times were, like you said get the WWE and then toward the end. But he was he was always happy guy, never took himself too seriously. He really took wrestling very seriously, but himself yeah, he, yeah. you know, he, uh, you know, he he he'd rather joke around than uh, than you know than get angry and whatever you know. So he was always, he was always that's kind of just how he was, just a happy kind of go lucky guy. And uh, I think I want I wanted the book to kind of reflect that, like you know, to, to to you know to tell stories of his career, but also like kind of what was going on, you know, in the back and the shit that we were like laughing about in the background, you know, funny stories from you know us on the road together, you guys, you know, whatever. So, you know, I wanted to kind of make it lighthearted because people I remember when I when I said that a book was coming out, people were like, oh, I'm scared to get it. It's probably going to be sad. I'm like, yo, trust me, it's not sad. It's a it's, it's a good book. You know, it's going to it's funny, yeah. if anything, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just really glad that people have really been liking it. And uh, and that's really awesome, man. Yeah,
0: guys, I hate to interject and I hate to be a total Debbie Downer, but um, we are just about out of time. So well, thank uh, you for
2: having me on so much, man.
0: Well, Johnny, it was hey, you know, it was, it was a blast talking to you. I am glad you got this book out. Um, you know, your brother's definitely one of those guys that people need to you know check out and learn more about. Uh, somebody with that kind of drive and f- so successful, so young. You know, um, Johnny, you got anything you want to close on? Is there anything you want to say before we wrap up?
2: Nah, nothing really. You know, I'm just just here. Uh, you know, promoting the book. I love. I, you know, I love hearing feedback of everyone, you know, after they finish reading it, I just, uh, you know, I'm my, my, my passion project is just to keep, you know, keep my brother's name out there and cause you know, cause that's what he would have wanted. And I, I'll just, I'll just end with this. The reason a lot of people were were putting it on coffee tables, uh, yeah. like taking a picture of the book on coffee tables was because maybe in like Oh three, um, you know, when he still wasn't, he was still kind of going through his stuff. We, uh, you know, he left like a von Erichs book on my parents' <laughs> coffee table. You know, we were over here for Christmas or something, and you know, he's thumbing through it. My mom's like, "Christopher, is this is this what you want to be a, a coffee table book?" He's like, "Mom, if people." He's like, "He's like, if people still remember me, you know, ten fifteen years from now, I'd be overjoyed to be in a coffee table book." So now he's got his he's got his book. You know. Yeah. So right on, man. yeah, I'm just I'm just happy to be able to do that for him. And yeah, yeah, that that's pretty much it. You know. Yep. Well, that's great.
0: Hey, um, Bobby, you want, you got anything to say before we go?
1: Yeah, man. Thanks Johnny for coming on. We appreciate it, man. Um, thank you. you anytime man. on, on Amazon, make sure you get it. You can check out a couple of my books as well on Amazon. Um, pin me, pay me, have booth with travel. Also, um, I kicked out on 2D education from a wrestler, but uh, do yourself a favor and go out there and get this No Gimmicks Needed book. It's really, really good. I'm going to rate it five stars and leave a review on Amazon myself. With that said, you know, I'm just going to kind of wrap it up uh, for me. Uh, everyone out there, just take care of yourself, man. Um, things are loosening up a little bit, opening back up a little bit. But uh, you still got to take care of your your own mental health sometimes. And, again, I say it to myself. When I say that to the audience, I'm also saying it to myself. Sometimes we are our worst enemies and get down on ourselves. We don't need to be that way. Um, You know, just try to uh, not overthink everything and uh, uh, take care of yourself out there, people.
0: All right, everybody. Yeah. With that being said, uh, our our mask orders in California are ending Tuesday. I'm going to be out coughing and sneezing on motherfuckers and licking doorknobs as soon as I can. Um, (laughs) All right. Well. In the meantime, for the late Tex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, double B Bobby Blaze, we say thank you to Johnny Candido and bye bye, everybody.
2: Thank you, guys.